The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate contemplation with David W. Berner, who's the author of Walks with Sam, A Man, a Dog, and a Season of Awakening. Um, So, David, your book says it's a beautiful, heartwarming account about the power of animal animal healing, mindfulness, and your incredible relationship with Sam, welcome, David. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I tell you, I've been looking forward to this because I just love dogs. And you have such a special relationship with Sam, don't you? Yeah. um, Sam came to us, my wife and I, kind of an odd way. We had lost both of our dogs. um, Mine first, hers after that. Uh, We had a second marriage. And we had had the dogs for some time. They're both old. but um, we were in the process of determining whether we were ready for another dog. I was probably more ready than she was. But Sam came to us through her ex-husband, believe it or not. He had purchased the dog and uh, because it was hyperallergenic. And his girlfriend still got very, very sick from it, uh, even though the dog was hyperallergenic. So she was very sensitive and he needed to get rid of the dog. And uh, my stepdaughter said, well, why don't you guys take it? And I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and I said, how about a weekend test run? And then we brought Sam over for a weekend. I fell in love immediately. Um, I love dogs, um, but this one just bowled me over. Um, there was something about her demeanor, her, her whole uh, process of looking at life, in a way, if you could say that about a dog. Um, my wife came along with the idea, too. Um, uh, although I was smitten first. Um, and then uh, Sam ever since then has been um, uniquely connected to me. Um, I don't want to make too much of it. I'm not trying to suggest that, you know, we're talking to each other in sign language or anything. But we, there's just something about Sam when, when we're together. She, um, she's a very smart dog. Um, and... I, I just feel connected to her particularly well. Maybe it's about where I am in life too. So that might be it. But um, I've always had dogs. I've had dogs all my life from one time or another. And Sam's pretty special. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, there are, there's like just the dog of your life, you know. We have these special, sure. mine, mine is Milu. Now I've got this wonderful dog, Lily, and she's she's just absolutely wonderful. But she will not replace that one special dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam, we were just talking a moment ago. Yesterday, we're recording this April, or no, sorry, August uh, 11th, I believe. And yeah. you had a tornado in the area. Yeah, we have, we live in the Midwest, outside of Chicago. There's a little spot about 40 miles outside of Chicago they call Tornado Alley. 
Um, and uh, it's been hit many times. Uh, we don't live too far from there, but we live far enough that I, we feel a little safer. But hearing tornado sirens go off around here is not that unusual uh, in the summertime, especially late summer. Uh, but this one felt different. The sky was green. Uh, the power went out well before the uh, wind kicked in, and uh, we had a tornado in the city of Chicago, actually, in the far north section of the city. Um, and uh, we had some tornado warnings going on for several hours. Power was out for three hours. Uh, so it was uh, it was a little hairy for a while. We're okay and everybody's good. And nobody was seriously hurt or anything, so we're, we're okay. But Sam, uh, as most dogs get upset with, you know, tornadoes and bad weather and thunder. And Sam kind of slept through it. <laughs> That's just... Kind of the dog she special is. Dog. That is a special dog. And fireworks don't uh, bother her either. No, they don't seem to. I think the initial crack of a firework kind of uh, turns her head like, what was that? But she doesn't cower. Um, I, don't, I don't see that. Yeah. Um, I, don't know why, I don't know why that is. She's pretty sensitive. You know, she's a sensitive dog in terms of emotion, I think. So I'm not sure why that is with her, but uh, she just doesn't get that upset. Right. And she's a great yeah. walking partner, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's, what the, that's what the book's all about, right? Exactly. And it, it came from a blog. So you've been blogging. Right. It about- did. Um, it yeah. came, you know, I, I, I'm a writer. I've written several books and, you know, I, I need to be writing. It's just what I do. Um, so there have been some kind of shifts in my life a little bit. My sister had died. Um, uh, I was at a, a you know, a, a mark in, in my age that made me rethink where I was and what I wanted to do. Um, and I had some time off. I was from, uh, in my sabbatical from, um, my college teaching position. And I thought, you know, this may be a good time to just try to be a little more contemplative as we were talking about before um, and think about kind of where I am and relationship with my sister and all of that. And um, I figured I'd just do it with Sam. And uh, we started a blog uh, kind of like talking a little bit about how, where we were, meaning Sam and I, you know, she was young and we were getting to know her um, and where I was in my life and then what those daily walks were. And they were really were started out as sort of observational. Uh, and then they became sort of um, more contemplative as we were talking about. Um, and uh, that's what the book turned into. The blog. Um, you know, it got some hits and it, it, it seemed to be fairly successful as blogs go at times. Uh, but someone had mentioned to me um, in a conversation somewhere along the line after reading the blog saying that, that to me, that's a book. And I wasn't sure about that, but I started to play with it and uh, it became a manuscript. And uh, some of the some of the walks that were in the blog were readjusted and some were dropped. Some were some other walks were added. So it, it was based off that blog. I wouldn't say it was word for word. Um, and uh, became a book and here we are. So it, right. was, uh, it was tremendous fun doing it at the time. It was cathartic in a way. Um, and uh, it became a book that I think is not only for a dog lover, but anybody who finds a connection with animals or nature or uh, the, the natural world or even um, people who love to walk and find that as a, a restorative kind of process. Um, so I, I think that makes sense for both people. You know, it isn't just a book about dogs. It's really about um, people and where they are in life and the world and your neighborhood and all those kinds of things. Right. I find that most books about a relationship with a dog is not necessarily about the dog. No. Well, Sam's certainly a star. There's no doubt about it. But she, she's, it's not all about Sam. Um, she is sort of the, uh, the thematic thread um, through it. Um, and there are, there are sections. That's, the book is set up in walks itself. So every walk is a different chapter, you might say. Um, and there are some walks that are clearly very much about her. Um, but other walks are about where she kind of takes me. Um, how she makes me think about something, how she may be observing something and makes me consider my observation. Um, 
So she's, uh, you know, I like to say she was sort of my shaman, you know, in a way through the whole thing. Um, I think that was, you know, a good way to explain it to people. Yeah, she's kind of a therapy dog in that way. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think that's kind of true in a way, especially for the time that this this happened. This was about two years ago. Um, and when we were going through all this, these different sort of emotions at the time. Um, yeah, she kind of was. She was helpful. Very helpful. Right. Gave you at least the, the catalyst to get out there and the excuse in a way. Sometimes when we're in that heavy grief, that heavy feeling of transition, um, you know, it's harder to get motivated and harder to get out. But sure, absolutely. Have a dog bringing a leash to you. You're going to get out. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly they learn that. Yeah. Uh, and I said, you know, Sam is pretty smart. Um, if, you know, and I think most dogs are like this. If you rattle the leash or show them the leash, they know what's up. And, um, you know, Sam learned that pretty quickly. Um, I, I have to say there were times that maybe she didn't necessarily feel like going on a walk that day. Um, but we, and, and sometimes I didn't either, you know, but um, we, we barreled through and uh, did it together. And it was uh, a lot of fun. And um, it was um, eye opening, I think, in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. It gives you that space. You know, in meditation, um, walking meditation is very helpful. And that's something that people practice is walking meditation. And yeah. certainly do this with our dogs. In fact, this concept of meditative mindfulness, con contemplation is a through line in this book. And There's no doubt about that, yeah. And no doubt about that. So to you, what is this mindfulness all about uh you mean in relationship to the book yeah okay well it, it, i would, I would definitely, life too yeah i would say that you know you know when i was younger um you know going i grew up in western pennsylvania a lot of forests a lot of mountains um a lot of outdoor life um and i took advantage of it i mean i when i was younger and in college in pennsylvania too we we hiked a lot. We kayaked. We were out in nature. Uh, we walked, uh, hiked all the time. I even took, I remember took a, taking a class. It was a class in college that was backpacking. It was the actual class. Um, you know, uh, you know, these were the hippie days probably. It, it was, so it was, it was a, a real class. And uh, we, we went in the Allegheny forest and stayed overnight and hiked and learned about trails and all those kinds of things. And it was, it kind of, it always kind of gave me a sense of, um, of uh, peace in a way, like the solace of open spaces kind of thing. I'm stealing a line from a great author, by the way. Um, and that made me, that really made me, I fell in love with that. Now, I never became a hardcore hiker. I have a son who does a lot more than I do. Uh, he's in the Pacific Northwest, which is a great place to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I always loved it. And uh, I always liked the idea of a walk. And then, you know, you, you, you grow up, you have kids, you get a job, you have other responsibilities. I don't think I walked as much as I used to or wanted to. But I, I learned over time that when I really need sort of space in my head uh, and I need to find space in my head, usually what really does it for me is to get up and take a walk. Sure. Um, and I don't do it enough. But when I do it, it is the remedy. And um, it doesn't always, I don't want to suggest that it always gives me the answer, in quotes, but it, um, it definitely does allow me to consider uh, things that I may not have considered if I was just sitting at a table or sitting in a chair. Or, um, I think sometimes in a way, you know, people use, I'm sure you're very aware of this, when you, people use writing sometimes as a therapy therapy process right yeah. where um and it's a free kind of thing if you you don't try to limit yourself so when i did these walks i didn't usually almost every one of these walks is not did not have a planned walk it was where it's going to take me where am i going to go and i did that on purpose because it allowed me to free up my head a little bit more if i if i set up a, set it up as a destination walk it didn't have the same free um process for me 
um, because I felt like I was attempting a goal if there was a destination. I didn't want it to be like that. Right. You have an agenda set up with that. Right. Right. There's enough agendas in the world. I didn't want agendas on my walk. That was really, I really tried hard. At first, that was hard. Um because when you hike or do anything in the woods, you know, you say, well, we're going to make it to this spot and we're going to camp here. Or we're going to hike here. Right. We're going to go to the river. You know, you have a sort of a destination. I tried really hard not to have destinations. Right. Yeah. So very mindful in these outings and these walks and, you know, really contemplating the, the beauty and the time, the time. Right. Yeah, the time. Yes. And yeah. how did Sam help with this contemplation, with this mindfulness? Well, it's interesting. I I say this in the book that she is, you know, dogs and Sam included, and veterinarians we can tell you this, they do not live in the past or the future. They live right where they are at that moment. They are the perfect mindful teacher. Um, they're, they, they use their sense of smell to get us an idea of what has been and what may be coming. But they don't adjust their life to what has happened necessarily. Instinctively, they might. But in terms of like you and I would sit down and say, hmm, I went down that one road the other day and it's always slippery when it snows. I'm not going to go down that road again. A dog doesn't really think like that. Mm-mm. So um, for, to answer your question, she was very much in the present all the time. Uh, and you know, that's a hard thing for humans to do. Um, sometimes I get it. Most of the time I don't. She was a good, good reminder for me when I took these walks to stay in that moment. That was the other reason why not choosing a destination was helpful because it would keep me in the, well, where I, where am I now? Not how far am I from something, but where am I just at this very, very moment? And, I, and and she helped me do that um, because that's a, a very natural thing for a dog to do, to stay in the present. Yeah. Well, yeah. What else can we learn from animals, do you think? Um, well, I think most animals, even wild animals, and I and I'm, don't claim to be some kind of um, you know, biologist or zoologist in any way, but just through some of the research that I did with the, um, for the book, uh, you know, I've learned that that animals of all kinds, um, they only they only um, lash out when they're in fear, um, or if they're searching for food. Uh, carnivores, right? right. Um, so it's to them. We, but, uh, humans will lash out for all kinds of reasons, <laughs> you know. So. It, uh, it seems to me that another thing you can learn from all animals and especially dogs is they are generally, generally just want to live in the world with other things and other people in a, in a, in a, in an easygoing life affirming way. They don't want to create trouble. Um, they're not, dogs don't do that. I think uh, humans can train them to do that. Guard dogs, fight dogs, whatever may be out there. But I think naturally they are, they are not like that. That's not what they do. Um, you know, they come from wolves and of course they're carnivores and yes, they may chase a rabbit down the street, but that's an instinctive thing. They aren't doing it because they don't like the rabbit <laughs> or, the way he keeps his, or the way he keeps his lawn in the neighborhood or something, you know, they, they don't, that's not how they think. You know, and there's a there's a particular story in the book about a, a man in our neighborhood here who people think he's out of his mind. And the truth is, he's not any crazier than the rest of us. Um, and and I, I, I say crazy or out of his mind in, in a sort of loving way. I don't mean to suggest that the man is mentally ill. That's not what I mean at all. It's just that he lives his life differently than everybody else in the neighborhood. We, you know, um, we tend to, as humans, fall into the patterns of everyone else in our society or in our world. And he's a little out of that pattern. And for some people, that's unnerving. Um, There's a story in the book about him and uh, how I kind of learned that he is 
just like the rest of us, really. And there's no reason for me to feel anything differently about him than I would in any other neighbor, really. Um, and that comes from the dog world, too. I think the animal world is like, you know, um, unless you're going to harm me, you know, I'm probably going to treat you like everybody else or I should maybe. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I don't claim to be some kind of great animal philosopher or great meditative mind. These are just some things that I learned and observed on the walks and they, they're not meant to be anything more than that. And if people get something out of it and can find something in that book walks with Sam that allows them to find their own spot, that's great. Uh, and I hope so. Um, the book is not meant to be a teaching manual or a, a manual for mindness. Uh, I don't claim to be the expert on that ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that walking helps the mind. Animals help the mind. Uh, and the two of them together on a regular basis can only mean good things. It can only mean good things. Um in the book, you talk a bit about your spiritual journey, your own spiritual journey. Can you share a bit about it? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think uh, I think in a way, if you say that you've already, if anybody says they've reached their spiritual pinnacle or journey, if they've reached their destination, I think they're fibbing. Um, I think in a lot of ways, we always are searching for whatever that means to us. Um, I was brought up Roman Catholic in a very um, uh, Irish-German family. Um, went to church every Sunday, went to Sunday school, all those very classic things. Uh, there was a moment in time that my father became very angry with the church. It was related to his mother-in-law. Um, I won't get into all the details, but there was a moment where he literally was yelling at the priest uh, outside the church, uh, and I was standing there as a eight-year-old boy or nine-year-old boy, and I thought we were all going to hell. Um, and uh, I learned later on what that was all about, and I um, never we never went to church again. Um, my mother was still somewhat religious, I would say, in the wide berth of what that means. Um, my my dad was maybe still a little, but we never really brought it up much after that. Um, I still went to Sunday school a little bit after that. So I was always kind of disenchanted, like not understanding. Um, I went to church for a little while after that. Uh, I found that the only part of the Catholic church that I ever really liked was when they turned to each other and say, peace be with you. Cause that seemed to me, it was the only part that made sense. Uh, but that was me. Uh, later on, uh, I tried a couple other churches cause I felt like I needed something. I've read a lot of books. I've, uh, I think I'm in a place now where as John Lennon said, God is a concept, um, not in this, not suggesting that there is no God. That's not what I mean. And that it's a man-made concept. What I mean is that that word can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Yeah. And whatever gets you through the night, you can believe for me, God is something we'll probably never really understand. Um, but there's some higher power, something, meaning, force, whatever it may be out there that helps guide us. And we all try to find a way to find the right classes that will let us see that. I think that's what we all do. Um, and some people go very traditional church. Some of the people do not. Um, and I'm one of those who do not, but that doesn't mean I'm not spiritual because i think i definitely am right well there's no coincidence that god spelled backward is dog and i've always firmly <laughs> believed glad you brought that up that's very true <laughs> <laughs> i've always firmly believed that they are closer to god than i will ever be did you know that radiate wellness has a subscription-based premium content facebook group think of it like the premium version of this free podcast In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them.
you get all of this great content for one low monthly price and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And that's your that's your spiritual journey. I think that is one that many, many people share sure. these days. Um, but Sam's had her own journey. What happened mm-hmm. to Sam? Well, uh, Sam uh, was a, uh, you know, bred uh, and came to us. And, a golden uh, doodle. I don't think we'd met. She's a, she's, a gold, she's, a, she's a golden doodle, but she's black. So she's got a, the poodle side of her is, is a black standard poodle. Mm-hmm. So she's all black. She's got some gray, not necessarily from age, just coloration in her. She's got some gray in her face and a little on her paws, a little on her tail. I suspect that will probably increase as she ages. Uh, but she's only four years old, so it's not it's not about age. It's just the coloring. Um, but she's got, um, you know, she's a, a golden retriever, too. So she's a golden doodle. She's got a lot of retriever in her. She will sit in the backyard and, you know, bring you the ball and throw the ball for a long time, um, so as retrievers do, and uh, she, um, but she's got a lot of poodle on her, and poodle um, owners always tell me that poodles are very smart. The veterinarians have told me that too. They're one of the more intelligent breeds, and you can see that in her. Um, smart in terms of um, sort of knowing our patterns. Um, she's 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 bright she learns quickly she learned um you know i think i only had to say to her and i'm very honest about this uh only had to say to her twice like when there's time to feed her that i say sit and then feed her and then she'd wait to eat so she wouldn't gulp it she learned that in a flash very quickly I had a golden retriever that probably took a year to get that. <laughs> okay, but but she is a lot smarter. So her 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 makeup, I think, uh, is a is a good one. Um, uh, you know, for for a dog owner, for my sake, Absolutely. she's a very caring dog too. She uh, she uh, she shows a lot of affection, which is you know wonderful. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So she's she's growing with you. She's learning, growing, developing, changing with a lot right along with you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and bond the bond. There's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Um, in your book, you talk quite a bit about the the bond we have with animals. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Just that bond. Um, well, I can talk about what what I have. My experience, uh, and my experience is that I, my grandfather gave me a dog when I was one years old. One year old, um, it was a full bred collie, mm-hmm. um, and her name was Sally. I'm not sure where that name came from, but her name is Sally. Uh, I remember being so connected to that dog growing up, yeah. uh, walking in the woods with her, mm-hmm. uh, being in the backyard with her, sleeping with her. She's the kind of dog that you could lay your head on and fall asleep, and she'd just let you do it. Um, she was very special to me growing up. And we had many dogs after that, and many of them, they've all had their special time for that particular time in my life. So um, for me, dogs have always been, except for a few years in college and maybe a few years after college, uh, that I didn't have a dog, but dogs have always been a part of my life for one reason or another. Um, I never had a I never had a bad one. Um, we had some ones that were more difficult than others, but not bad ones. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my kids have grown up with dogs. Uh, they both have dogs. Um, 
Um, and my, my wife, I can't, I'm not sure if she grew up with dogs, but she's had a dog most of her life before we were together, um, too. So it's just, it just seems totally natural for me to have a dog. Around. I know that's not true for everybody. I'm not expecting it to be true for everybody, but for me, um, they are, they are a soothing factor in your life to me. Um, you they know, they, 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 they yeah. What. yeah. Yeah, uh, they are. Uh, they will give and take love unconditionally. I know it's said a million times, but that's very, very true. They yeah. just it just comes completely natural to them without hesitation. Absolutely. I mean, how could you not want that? <laughs> you know, it's just like, come on, that's what we all want, isn't it? Exactly. They yeah. never have a bad day. They never complain. No, no. They they, they and they adjust far better than we do. You know, um, and I'm not to say that, you know, maybe we can learn that, but, you know, humans just don't pivot as easily as, as uh, dogs do. Um, oh, you're not going to feed me now? Okay, well, I'll go lay down and chew my bone. And they, that's it. Right? Exactly. It's over. You know, they don't mind, they get mad. They don't, you know, it's like. They don't hold a grudge. No, they don't hold a grudge. You know, um, so, um, you know, that, that that particular process that goes through in their minds, I think we can learn from too. I mean, you know, we're never going to be like them. They're never going to be like us. Of course, our minds are different, more complex, whatever that may be, but you know, certain qualities, absolutely. We can take, take with us and hold closely. Oh, absolutely. And they never truly leave us. We know we enter this relationship with our dogs, knowing that it's going to come to an end. Right. Yeah, that's true. But it, but it, that's true for all of us, isn't it? I mean, we're all temporary. You know, it's a terrible thing to say, but it's really true. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, to me, if you can work toward living in the present as much as you possibly can, that's the way to go. Because, you know, worrying about something you have no control over, even though we all do it, and it's hard not to sometimes, that just creates more anxiety, that creates more of an unbalanced presence at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And we have no other time but right now. Um, we don't. I mean, I know that is cliche, and you hear it a billion times, and it's you know on T-shirts, <laughs> but it's so true. Uh, there, there, it's very true. It's just hard to do. It's hard for humans to do. I think. I don't think it comes easily. No, and we do have, as humans, we do have this concept of time. We have a concept of past. We have a concept of future. Of course, there's nothing that we can do to change the past. There's little we can do to affect the future. All we can really manage and change is is the present time. Dogs have no concept of that. No. They They don't understand past. They don't understand future. They don't understand these consequences. Not in the same way that we do. And so, um, yeah, we do have some things we can learn from them, don't we? Yeah, there's no question. And uh, that's not to say that it comes easy to learn, though, either. You know, like uh, if you just observe your dog, you'll be a better person. I I don't think that's necessarily true either because we're hardwired. We're different. You know, we're just different. Right. Um, And um, but, you know, and it's not easy for humans to adjust their behavior. You know, that's a difficult thing. So, um, uh, you know, to suggest that, you know, you take 30 walks or so like I did with Sam and suddenly you're going to be a better person. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it does open your mind up to things you may not have considered before. And maybe that'll lead you to a place you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this book, Walks with Sam, has gotten some wonderful advanced reviews. Some You've got some wonderful <laughs> blurbs and commentary uh on it and as you said you're you're a writer how many books have you written walks with sam is my eighth book um i uh different publishers but um um i I don't know how not to write um i have uh something out right now that i'm having some pre-reading done on some people experts in that particular field reading to see where see if i'm hitting the mark on 
I'm working on another novel, but I also had a dream the other night, ironically about my sister, who also sparked a little bit of this Walks With Sin book. I had a very vivid dream about her. I dream about her now and then, but this one just really shook me. Um, and I thought about that for a long time, and I needed to start to write about that. Maybe that's a therapeutic thing, but I've had a, a difficult time writing about her in a lot of ways. So this maybe would have been the thing to allow me to think about that. So I started to write about her life um, because it was a unique and tragic life. Uh, and I and I wanted to, not only for my own, maybe it'll never get published. Maybe it's just something I need to do. But I started to do it. And um, I just actually read a little section of what I've been writing to my wife. And she said, are you going to be all right? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I think I've actually come to the time in my life where I can write about this now. Um, so uh, uh, I don't know how not to write. Um, I don't know how, I don't know what life is without doing that. Yeah. Um, my, my background has been broadcast in journalism. Right. And um, uh, I really started writing in a, you know, a manuscript form in my mid 40s. Um, so it's been t fewer than 20 years of writing a manuscript. Yeah. I mean, I've written a lot of articles and journalism pieces and things like that, but, um, not in terms of books. So I have two, I have two novels to answer your question. I have two novels, several different memoirs with different, uh, particular, um, takes on it. Um, and this book walks with Sam is, uh, I guess you can consider it a memoir in a way. Um, so, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, reflective, um, based on blogs, and um, so, and you were a college professor as well. Yeah, I, I am a, still a college professor at Columbia College in Chicago. They they gave me the opportunity, really, with the sabbatical, to be able to think about this book uh, uh, in a very focused way for a long time. So that was helpful. Um, uh, yeah, I teach um, classes in broadcast and journalism and things of that sort. So. Great. Yeah, and I still work in broadcasting uh, a little bit. I still do some work like broadcasting. that. Uh, I'm a reporter and anchor at an all-news radio station. I've done some things from CBS, for CBS. I've done some things for National Public Radio. It's been a while since I've done that, but I have. Um, done some audio documentaries that have been played around the country. So I still work in that field a little bit. Uh, I still love that craft. So I love the storytelling. I learned, I learned probably late in life that my, my job is a storyteller. I was a musician, I was a writer, I was a broadcaster, I was a reporter, I was an anchor. And when I kind of put all those together, an author, I put all those together. My job is a storyteller. That's what I've been doing. That's kind of what I do. Yes, in all the different formats. Yeah, in all different formats. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, and I'm Irish, so, you know, that's it's, it's in the tea, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's just kind of your thing as an Irish person is telling yeah. stories and elaborating on them. I, I mean, I understand the the concept of you just can't not tell stories. No, I cannot. I can't get. I can't. No, I can't do it. I, I can't imagine having a life with not being able to share stories. I, I don't know what that would be like. Absolutely, I'd be bouncing off the walls. Well, and luckily you've got a platform, you've got the gift, and you've got the the drive, the will to to follow through with these stories and, and put yeah, them out in the world. You've got, yeah, I'm looking at your website now. You've got um, things behind the sun, walks with right. Sam. You've got, you know, all, mm. you know, books, press, everything else on here. Um, things behind the sun. Can you say a few words about that? Yeah, I just had a copy in front of me here. Um, it's a novel about a father and a son. Um, they had not connected for some time, which is not an unusual thing. Uh, but there's a particular thing that happens in the, in, in their past that is pretty unique. Um, the father insists on them going on a road trip before he goes off to college, uh, before his senior year, um, after his senior year to go off to college. And, uh, they decide to go through the American West. So it's a road trip story, but there are secrets unveiled you know, during this trip that come from their family background. There's a, a, a meeting that is kind of calculated meeting with a person that is particularly of interest to the son's background. Um, and it's really a story of sort of finding your way. 
Um, and, and everyone who's in this book is trying to find their way in some particular form. The father, the son, um, a woman who is a good friend of the boy's mother, um, uh, the boy's girlfriend in high school that he leaves behind. There's, there's a number of people in this book that are all trying to find their next place. And the road trip helps them do that with all these family secrets that sort of become um, um, revealed through, the, through this uh, road trip. Yeah. So that's what it's about. Wonderful. Yeah. So again, taking your contemplation on the road and exploring. Yeah, I get this com com contemplative too, in a way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, that's the way my writing's been described a couple of times by reviewers, like contemplative. Like I take my time to sort of walk you through someone's thought process. I don't write mystery. I don't write, you know, fast-paced suspense thrillers. That's not my style. Right. So, um, it, it, there, and I find that I write a lot about fathers and sons, not by any design. It just kind of happens. Right, yeah. absolutely. And this storytelling uh, is something that I really enjoy and appreciate in journalism as well, mm. being able to tell the story, why things happened. Right. Uh, what is the background between things? Yeah. Like Rachel Maddow does a very good job of doing that. Um, some of the best, some of the best journalism out there is not necessarily spot news journalism, although you know some radio and TV and news organizations do that very well. But those who can step back a little bit and then tell the story through someone else's eyes, more of a creative nonfiction sort of approach, um, those are the real storytellers, and there are some incredibly good people out there doing that kind of work. Absolutely. And that's such a value. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. But Walks with Sam is, um, and this Walks with Sam, by the way. Hey, wonderful. Um, yes. My good friend, Jim Olson, who is a wonderful, wonderful artist, did the uh, rendition of Sam on there. Uh, he's a great graphic artist. And of course, Ron Fire Books did the design. But um, I gave him a picture of Sam and I said, uh, can you turn this into something? And he played around and I knew it was Sam as soon as I saw it. So uh, did a very, very good job. And appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just, I love the colors. It's a nice, it's just a nice, nice design. That's, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, of course, your, your book comes out, it comes out officially September 1st. September 1st. It's out now for pre-order. There's an, uh, there's an audio book, a uh, Kindle book, um, ebook. And uh, in the paperback, um, I've done two audio, three audio books now. And you read um, an audio book? I do. Um, if it's not a novel, if it were a novel that was an audio book, I'd have somebody else do it. But these are the memoirs are some of the ones that I've done. So uh, October Song, uh, There's a Hamster in the Dashboard is another book of mine. <laughs> um, yeah, and there really was. Um, and I did that one, and I did, uh, and I did walks with Sam. So. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I'm looking at your books list now on your website. Um, the Consequence of Stars, A Well-Respected Man, October mm -hmm. Song, Hamster in the Dashboard—that's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Night Radio, Accidental Lessons, Any Road Will Take You There, Hamster in the <laughs> Hamster in the Dashboard. What is about a life in pets, like? Um, it, it, it is short little pieces about um, incidents that happened with me in my young life, in my adult life, in my kid's life about pets. Things have been, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. Not necessarily all sweet and wonderful little stories. Some have been difficult. Um, but they're all stories about a life in pets. And there was a hamster in the dashboard. We took a hamster um, with us to the hardware store. Uh, when they got the hamster and they took it in the box and like a goofy, not thinking father, we went into the hardware store with the two boys says the hamster will be fine in the box. Well, we got back and the hamster was out of the box and we've discovered it in behind the dashboard. Right. It was alive. It was fine, but it was behind the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of hard to explain to a mechanic when you take the car in. To get yeah, the exactly. But uh, the, the hamster was okay. All, all good. But, um, so, you know, this, that book is particularly about a lot of things about the things you do well, the things you don't do well as a pet owner, the things that you should have done better, the things that you 
you know, the sad moments, the good moments, the funny moments, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Wonderful. And then uh, last but not least, you've got Writer Shed, which is a collection of stories. Yeah, Writer Shed was something that came out of nowhere. I have to tell you about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. We we are in the process now of uh, Writer Shed Stories is a literary um, collection that I just started to put out last year. We did it as a Kindle uh, piece. It's none of my work. It's work that we have curated. Um, and we put it out last year as a Kindle, and it did pretty well. We did it again this time around, and because we did well enough, we had many, many submissions. We had hundreds of submissions this time. Um, we ended up with um, basically 15 pieces, poems, prose, memoir, fiction, short story, uh, all within that 2,500 range in fewer words. Um, and uh, that's coming out November 1st. We're in the editing process now, pretty much done, but there's a lot of production stuff that has to be done. This year, we're going to do it as a, um, a hard copy uh, literary collection and also an ebook. So um, I'm pleased because we've had, I, I just, I had so much good material to, to take and look at. Uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. The theme of this one out coming out in November is called Love and Sacrifice, the broad theme. Yeah. And, um, uh, there's some wonderful stuff in there. I mean, and we got from all over the world. So it's been a, a kind of a, like a, uh, you know, a, a very enjoyable process for me. I've never really curated work in this way before. Um, so I'm learning too. Um, but I'm very proud of the writers and the stuff that's in this. So uh, yeah, that comes out in November and it'll be a reasonably priced too. It's, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I can imagine. I can imagine just taking the best of the best and putting it together. So it's hard. They were, I could have easily okay. picked 50 pieces, but I, I you right. know, but I, I can't. can't. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's really, really good stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then you've got, you've won several awards for your writing for your books. I've, I've been, I've been very fortunate. Um, I won, uh, a couple of Chicago Writers Association awards. I won um, acknowledgement uh, mid uh, Society of Midland Authors, which is uh, basically the entire Midwest, uh, honored my book, A Well-Respected Man. Um, I was very pleased by that. Uh, very felt very honored, very humbled by it. There's a lot of insanely good writers out there, um, and uh, you know it's hard to rise to the top for even a brief moment. Um, so th that's wonderful. But my two most exciting writing moments, I have to say, I was selected a few years ago to be the writer in residence at the Jack Kerouac house in Orlando, Florida. Oh my. And I lived at his house, it really was his mother's house, but he lived there with her for three months in the summer and got to do nothing but write. And uh, it was in the heart of Orlando. If you know anything, you know, if you don't know about Orlando, everybody just thinks it's all Mickey Mouse. But the, the city of Orlando is very old school Florida and very pretty. Um, and sections of the, of the uh, portions of the city are uh, really a lot of cottages and cobblestone streets. And it's not what people think. Um, so we lived in this old house, um, restored historic house. that was his house where he wrote the Dharma Bums, where he lived just after he wrote On the Road. Um, um, and I got to live there for three months and that was the most exciting, most uh, wonderful three months of my writing life. Um, a few years after that, I was chosen as a writer in residence at the Hemingway house, this birthplace home here outside of Chicago. Now I didn't live there, but I had an office there and we curated a magazine there. Um, I didn't do all the curating, so it wasn't like uh, writer shed stories. Um, but uh, that was a great experience, too. And I worked with the Hemingway Foundation here in the Chicago area because he grew up in a park, which is a suburb of Chicago, um, for, you know, two years. Uh, and that was a great experience, too. So, But my, I've been very – I've been blessed in that way. Um, you know, have I won a Pulitzer Prize? No. But I'm not, pan you know, I'm not pining to win a Pulitzer Prize. I'm very happy with where I am with my writing life. Oh, um, yeah, you've so gotten quite a bit of acclaim. You've, uh, you're doing exactly what you want in life, and that's really the goal of. Yeah, it, it really comes down to that. I, I'm glad you said it, put it that way, because I think it's true. It's, it's really about like 
I'm thrilled with what I'm doing and that's okay. I don't need to, accolades are great, but I don't need, I don't really need them, but they're, they're wonderful. Don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful thing to be patted on the back and told that you're doing some good work. Um, That's a very natural human reaction, but I don't pine for it. I'm not, you know, out there submitting to a thousand awards. Um, It's not that, that important. It is wonderful when it happens. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, wonderful. And your website is David W. Burner. Right. Com. This is right. B-E-R-N-E-R, David W. Right. com. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. And easy to book, find me there. If you Google me, you'll find me. It's um, easy to find. <laughs> good, good. I love it. And then the book that we're talking about today is Walks with Sam, a man, a dog, and a season of awakening. David, it's been lovely talking with you today. Is there anything uh, that we didn't cover, anything we didn't touch on that you feel is good no, to have? No, I don't think so. I, you, were, you were wonderful. It's great. You asked great questions and uh, you know made me think about things I hadn't thought about before, so that's great. Um, Sam is healthy. I am healthy. I hope everybody stays healthy in these crazy times. What a great time to stay home and read a book. So. <laughs> I totally agree. Thank you so much. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.